Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning on LBC. Oh, headache this morning. Headache this morning. Two anodin and paracetamol, and we're still not getting there. Uh, lots of stories in the papers. Um, the other, the, well, two, and also having lost Sevi Ballesteros the other day. The other day, uh, Saturday morning, we lost Big George, the radio presenter and uh, music producer, composer, actor, presenter. He was only 53. And then um, one of the Walker brothers, John Walker, who was neither called John Walker or a brother with the other ones, died the other day. It's it's been an absolute carnage. And then I pick up the papers and and I look at a picture of a mother who ran the London Marathon for a cancer charity, died two weeks later from the disease. Didn't even know she had it, apparently. Sort of ran it, and she didn't know she was suffering from skin cancer. Finished it, got her medal. Two days later, she fell ill, goes in to uh, see the doctor. They put her in hospital, and uh, and she died a week after that. Absolutely dreadful. It's just been absolutely awful. I mean, it's just, like, so many bad stories. Uh, and the papers... And then, of course, there's the uh, the story about all the unnamed people... You know, all the people who've taken out gagging orders and all the papers. Some of the papers have been a bit naughty and they've sort of gone round the houses and in- inadvertently named people. And, uh, and now apparently it's turned up on Twitter with thousands of people twittering these people's names. And it's all becoming a bit silly. Libel lawyer Kate McMillan said the tweets were a flagrant breach and the author should be pursued. She said, if I was acting for one of these individuals, I'd take all steps under the law to ensure the privacy of my client. She, of course, doesn't have any of these people, but uh, they've all been named. It's, it's, it's almost becoming sort of common knowledge nowadays. Anyway, anyway, all of that to one side. We take your texts and emails, 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Weather for today, just in case you were wondering about it as you wake up this morning, mostly sunny, Cool start to the day. Sunshine, scattered showers this afternoon, a few of which will be heavy. Maximum temperature, 21 centigrade. Currently, it's 12. Tonight, generally dry. Clear skies, minimum 9 centigrade. Tomorrow, Tuesday, mainly dry and bright day with sunny spells, but a bit more scattered showers in the afternoon. So yesterday, yesterday, I come in here, I do do the programme, and uh, then go out for a walk through Regent's Park because there's um, an event taking place at the Magic Circle which was the, uh, the heat to find the young magician of the year. So I had all intention of going to that. Well, in fact, to cut a long story short, I did actually get to it, but go back to the car, just about... I, I take my key fob out, and it's a fairly large key fob for my car, and as I'm just about to push the button, a jogger knocks me. It knocks as he's running past... I mean, the place is full of cyclists and joggers. I mean, on a Sunday afternoon, you can't blooming move for these people. So this jogger knocks me. He doesn't say sorry, and it carries on running down the pavement. But he knocks my key out of my hand. So it falls onto the road, so I, I pick it up. Won't open the car. It won't, We're trying to open the car. So what it's obviously done is dislodge the battery inside. But, of course, I can't open the blasted thing. <laughs> it was just... My brother then phones, and he goes, oh, we're looking forward to the Magic Circle show. And I'm going, yeah, and he goes, how are you? I'm thinking, I don't want to... I, listen, I'm really stressed. I can't open the blasted car. We can't do this thing. Anyway, so a friend of mine then sort of bangs it, and eventually it opens the car. So that's quite good. And he said, have you got a spare one? I said, yeah, I've got a spare one at home. So what I'll do when I get out of the car, I'll lock it just on the key. Well, of course, on my car, you lock it on the key, and it's obviously got a two-way lock because it puts the alarm on. So we get out at the magic circle, I lock the car, then remember I've left something in it, open the door, take something out, the blasted alarm goes off. 
So, of course, because I can't push the button and stop it, I'm trying to work out how you, how you lock the car to turn the alarm off. In the end, I have to go inside, get a, a knife out, and try and open up the remote to see if I can put the battery in properly. I mean, it's turning into a disaster. And in the end, I break the, the case for the blasted key. So I'm stuck with that. So I've now got a broken case, but I've got the key, and it's still attached to it. So I can start the car. So I don't see the young magicians. I get in the car, and I come back home again to pick up the spare key to make sure I can still lock the car. So I've now got to go up to the garage at some point, take them in the broken key, and say, can we fit that key into a new... I don't know. It's just awful. It really is. Or perhaps just suffer with one key. I don't know. Anyway, apart from that, how's, how's your day going? Mine was... Te- and that was my stomach, I know. Do you know I had a piece of toast this morning? I got up, because I'd slept really well, and I, and I got up and I thought, I just fancy a piece of toast. And I had a cup of coffee and a piece of toast, and I swore blind I wasn't going to do coffee in the morning. I don't know why I did it. Fool to myself. Uh, Wednesday, warm with sunny spells and cloud, highs of 18. Centigrade Thursday, dry with sunshine and cloud, highs of 16. And Friday, dry with sunny spells and cloud, highs of 16 degrees centigrade. 84850, uk. Um, the gloves are off, apparently, between Kerry Katona and Katie Price, after Katona slammed her old rival's latest TV show. In response, Price barked at a minion. At least my men don't run off all the time, do they? No, but I, 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 I sort of watched a bit of Katie Price's programme the other day. I think it's the last one in the series. And uh, she seems to get on quite well with this Argentinian bloke. And uh, they've had a photo shoot done, they've had everything else done. But at the end of the day, it's just another relationship. Doesn't seem to make any difference whether it whether it survives or not, because she doesn't seem to be particularly bothered. I think she uses people. She does say that she pushes all her men as far as she can so that she's in control. But in this case, he's actually turned round and said, "Listen, don't don't do this." And she she said, "Oh, I like that." And I thought, "Yeah, I seem to remember Pete doing this. I seem to remember all the other ones doing it." Alex Reed apparently has just moved into a million pound house and he's driving an eighty thousand pound Maserati. Well, he can't have made any money. Uh, there were reports that he got a divorce settlement, but his agent, because quite clearly he can't speak for himself, uh, said, no, there's been no, no divorce settlement at all yet. So he's obviously got some money from somewhere. I don't know where. He hasn't done any cage fighting recently, has he, where he's, where he's made loads of money? Answer, don't think so. Uh, I did mention that uh, a little bit later on, we're going to be mentioning a, a pupil from St Peter and St Paul Catholic Primary School, because his head teacher has, uh, has written in and uh, we'll tell you all about that one a little bit later. Uh, the Express today, they've got... Now it's official, Kate is one of the world's sexiest women. I mean, I wish they'd stop this, because we don't, we don't need this. She's not one of the world's sexiest women. She just happens to marry Prince William, whose mother died, and she was also one of the world's sexiest women. So, can we just leave it alone? It's not. Uh, the pictures, as I say, which were in the papers the other day, where they had Pippa Middleton topless, they made a big, big spread... In the news of the world, Pippa Middleton topless. And I looked at the pictures and they were on Uncle Gary's boat. Uncle Gary with the chequered history. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, what on earth is William doing on this yacht with Kate? Then I realised when I read further into it, pictures taken in 2006, five years ago. Five years ago. Who are the top ten beauties in the world? The difference between pretty... And beautiful is that beauty shines through from within and refuses to be ignored. Okay, so we're all beautiful. Uh, Number 10, Sophia Loren. Number 9, Catherine, Duchess of Cambridge. Uh, Number 8, Bar Raphael. I don't even know who that is. No idea. Halle Berry at 7, Angelina Jolie at 6, Michelle Pfeiffer at 5, Kira Knightley at 4, Penelope Cruz at 3, 
Frida Pinto at two, whoever that is, and a number one, Nicole, from Slumdog Millionaire, OK, and number one, Nicole Scherzinger. Well, to be honest with you, I'm looking at a picture of her, and she was voted most beautiful. Wasn't she an original member of the Pussycat Dolls? I saw them once at the Royal Variety performance. God. Uh, little bit racy-pacy, little bit. And also, oh, I knew there was something, because I got a bit confused the other day. I was watching Britain's Got Talent, and um, they've had a, a, a few people on, and they had a guy coming on, and he was a rapper. And he started rapping, and he was, he was out of time with his music. He was terrible, and, and so they all buzzed. Eventually, he went, beep, 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 and they... And he went, oh, can I, can I do it again? He said, I missed the cue. And Michael McIntyre said, no, he said, you can't. You only get one shot. Which, of course, is a blatant lie. A blatant lie. Why is it? Because on another show, or it might have been the same one, I didn't get that far, there was a, a group of black guys came on, young, and they started singing a Tamla Motown song. And they were awful. They were absolutely dreadful. They couldn't sing for toffee. So Amanda Holding goes, stop, 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 stop. She said, that was all. She said, have you got something else you can sing? I thought, what, you're giving them another go? Whereas you wouldn't give this other guy another go. And then you suddenly realise that the thing is fiddled. It's fiddled in favour. Not because, and it was explained, because they then did an a cappella song and they got put through. Because I suddenly realised they're not making a show about trying to find somebody to go on the Royal Variety performance. What would be the point of that? They're making a show to find ten people who can go out on tour so they can make money on tour. That's what they're doing. And so I bet your bottom dollar this a cappella band will be on tour. Because they've done it with all of them before. They're not interested in the Royal... You know, the Royal Variety is kind of like a sideline. Let's stick somebody on the Royal Variety performance. Let's actually, you know, have them coming on. Because you've got to think, would the Queen want to sit down and watch this? And the answer is, in many cases, no, of course she wouldn't. Because they're really not up to the... I mean, some of them are so dreadfully awful, you can't believe they even got through this far. Because they're just not good enough. Messing here, honestly. Like Chair City, isn't it? No one. You all right, Cold. No, it's like chairs are everywhere. I don't know. I'm I'm just seeing chairs today. I know. It's almost like they're moving in. Although strangely enough, oh, there's what there is one over there, isn't there? Very odd. No, no, no! Don't touch them because they obviously move by themselves. We kind of leave them until they start moving again. (laughs) So I'm watching this program and I'm thinking it's absolutely fiddled to get the right people through because there aren't enough people with any talent. And then there's another woman on there. There's a woman turned up. And I'll have to find the story because it's it's a bit naughty, I'm afraid. In fact, it's more than a bit naughty because they seem to be making their own rules up. Making their own rules up on this uh, Britain's Got Talent programme. Um, I, I must tell you, there's a, a grandmother who was so drunk whilst babysitting in the street, she dropped cigarette ash on her six-month-old grandson. She was so drunk. She was being tried uh, for child cruelty when she offered to plead guilty to being drunk in charge of a child. Amazing, isn't it, really? The amount of people who sort of seem to sort of drink now and uh, and then they sort of pop up all over the place. You wait till I find this story about... It's a woman who plays the violin. That's why it's an interesting story. And there's a reason behind it. So I'll tell you that after this. News headlines, 5.15. Labour's challenging the Lib Dems to speak out against NHS reforms as the Deputy Prime Minister vows to block them if they aren't improved. Nick Clegg says unless there are substantial, significant changes, he'll tell Lib Dem MPs and peers to vote them down. 
President Obama says watching the raids in Pakistan, which killed Osama bin Laden, were the longest 40 minutes of his life. He's revealed there was enormous tension in the White House Situation Room. And teenagers have unrealistic expectations about how much they're going to earn. Many reckon they'll be on more than £60,000 a year when they're 35. The Royal Bank of Scotland has found the average teenager expects to start a job on around £16,000 a year, rising to 35000 when they're 25. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Ooh, it's Genoese. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Well, on the North Circular, the road... This morning, from 7. Morning, everybody. 5.20 is the time, Monday morning. It's LBC, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's an interesting story that popped up in the papers over the weekend about the BBC newscaster Michelle Hussein. Do you remember Michelle Hussein goes out to a Waitrose and she's got the children with her and somebody uh, obviously rebuked the children for something and said, why don't you behave like proper English children? OK. So that was... A, she then complained to uh, Waitrose. She called a manager over and said, this man's being racist... And everything else. And uh, a waitress said, well, I'm very sorry, but, you know, that's it. The BBC said it's a private matter. And Peter McKay says today, was it necessary for Michelle Hussein to call for the Waitrose manager when an irritable older gentleman rebuked her three sons, or to later report on Twitter, joy of the supermarket, irritable older gentleman, tells me my tribe need to behave like proper English children. Her husband... Mikkel Hussein, who's a lawyer, also took to Twitter, saying, My kids abused at Waitrose, told off for not behaving like English children. Reminds me of life in the 70s. Sad how slowly things change. Uh, he added, Wife shouted for manager and called for racists to be confronted. He remained belligerently unremorseful. Waitrose handled it well. Waitrose is sorry this very regrettable incident happened, and the BBC say it's a private matter. Curiously, says Peter McKay, neither of the Husseins say what the children were doing to merit the rebuke. The implication is that they were insulted merely because they did not appear to be English. Is it racist for an irritable older gentleman to tell boys they should behave like proper English children? Perhaps it is, by today's standards. Is it worth summoning the Waitrose manager? I'd have thought not, says Peter. And for both parents to report the incident on Twitter, utterly childish. It is a strange thing because you don't know what it... You know, they might have been running in the aisles picking up fruit or... I don't know. It's just an odd thing, isn't it? But uh, it's... Because I'd never heard of her, I have to be honest. I didn't know who she was. It was only because they said she was a BBC newscaster that I went, oh, right, she's a BBC newscaster. But it didn't, it didn't actually mean anything to me. Uh, Mirror this morning. Kate McCann, my rouse with Jerry over Maddie. The story is because they have a, a book out at the moment. Pictures of Bin Laden. I said yesterday I thought he looked like Anthony Quinn sitting in front of the television. Anthony Quinn was in Zorba the Greek. He's an actor. If you look at a picture of Anthony Quinn sideways, he looks like Osama bin Laden. So they've said, this is Osama bin Laden looking at the television. Well, boy, aged very quickly. He really looked like an old man. And then somebody said in the paper, was he really the guiding force behind Al-Qaeda or just a doddery old fool? Answer, doddery old fool. Simple as that. But in this picture here, he's sort of, he's, he's watching himself on television, learning lines. But he does, it's, it's this very odd picture. Which is very strange. Here's the story of Britain's Got Talent. Another one. It's doomed to get all bad, uh, bad publicity, I'm afraid, today. And this is, uh, it was accused last night of cheating viewers after claims that a violinist simply played along to a hit CD. Alexandra Parker wowed judges with her performance. She came on stage wearing skin-tight trousers, bare belly 
and a very tiny top with enormous bosoms in front and playing a violin, a white violin. So you can well imagine they're all going, Michael McIntyre, you know, the Hoff as well, all over it like a rash, I'm afraid. It was all a little bit embarrassing. But the string quartet Bond, you've heard of Bond, because we've talked to them before on the programme, insisted she was playing over one of their tracks. Now, there's a bloke who plays the violin in Kingston. And if you listen to him as you go past, you think, oh, he's really good. He's not. He's rubbish. He's playing over a track. And so it doesn't matter whether he's any good or bad. As long as he can hit roughly the notes, it makes no difference. Strangely enough, one of the band members tweeted last night, I'm all for people covering our music, but not playing over our CD and calling it their own. She's literally pressed play on our CD and played some wafty faff over it. I'd love, you know, I love watching Britain's Got Talent, but this is outright fraud. And the band's manager said it's like a singer coming on and singing to a girl's allowed track. <coughs> well, of course, you know that in, in the X Factor they are enhanced many, many times. They've already admitted that they were enhanced on that one. Uh, the production firm Talkback Thames sparked an, an auto-tune scandal after admitting altering some X Factor auditions. But a Britain's Got Talent spokesman said last night a montage showing Alexandra played the violin live to a backing track. It was an authentic audition in front of an audience doesn't alter the fact that she went on there... I mean, I don't know, you know, there's obviously room for sort of somebody else to bring out some... But to go on and just play over somebody else's music is a bit daft, isn't it? A little bit daft. But she is very bosomy. So I expect to see lots of pictures of her in the papers because they like bosomy girls who play... Because people always go, oh, violins, it's all a bit stuffy. But it's not really. It's just that you only had to watch Michael Flatley when he brought on the girls to play the violins. You know, you can be very, very sexy. And then Bond, of course, proved you can be very, very sexy... And, uh, and play the violin. You don't have to be little old lady with sort of grey hair sitting in the corner going... Eh, 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 eh. They're really good now. They're really, really good. Uh, Cheryl Cole's going to go to America. I can't wait for it to happen. The sooner you go, love, stay there. Please stay there. I've got a horrible feeling that she might not be there as long as we think she is. She's been told that, you know, you better shape up. Well, she will. She'll do it because she'll spend three years in makeup, and you'll notice the difference. The American makeup is completely different to the stuff we get on the television here. She will look very, very sexy. Uh, here's Lorraine Kelly. Oh, you're great. You're wonderful. I love you. You're super. That's always oh, that. Oh, so bored. And uh, oh, God, you're wonderful. Hello. You're nice. Hello. How are you? In fact, sometimes I sit there thinking she gushes so much over people. I'm surprised she's not sick over them. But uh, she shed the pounds during her comic relief trek. And so here she is telling, uh, I think it's women and home, because that's what you do. We, we had a laugh yesterday. We weren't supposed to be having a laugh when we were looking at children's books and finding out how many characters there were who were female, a female lead. And it turned out what with Postman Pat, Bob the Builder and all the other ones. It was all blokes. It was all blokes. There were no top women anywhere. We couldn't think of any books, you know, apart from books deliberately aimed at girls. Most of the toys seemed to be aimed at... Even Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm sure there was a girl in there somewhere, but it's Thomas's programme. That's why it's called Thomas the Tank Engine. And you do worry that there weren't enough things going on, you know, for sort of women to come out the top. Why couldn't we have, you know, Mandy the Nurse or something like that and and have, you know, we've had Bob the Builder... And it's all traditionally blokey things. Can you have sort of a man to the cab driver or something? And it turns out to be a woman, but they'll probably dress her in a boiler suit and put a flat cap on her so she'll look like an engine driver. There's nobody sort of... Because all, all the girlies are a little bit... Like that kind of thing. They need to have some positive role models. Small wonder that kids grow up 
going, well, you know, I'd rather, rather play with Transformers. Robots in disguise. And, and at the end of the day, I thought, no, I was trying to think of traditional women's jobs. You know, you could have Amanda, the radio producer. You know, as, as, as a strip cartoon or, you know, today Amanda goes hiking, Amanda goes to yoga, you know, Amanda peels an orange. I mean, anything. Just so you've, so you've got some women role models in, in the kids' television programmes, <laughs> because they're not there. And I seem to remember mentioning it a short while ago on the programme, and to be honest with you, we haven't found any since. It's a bit worrying, isn't it? Talking of finding things, there's some bloke in the paper today called Marco Puzio. He's 27. He bought 10 eggs from Asda. Because you don't get 12s, you get 10s, apparently, now, because we're decimal. And I haven't had 12s for ages. And, uh, and he found every single egg. He was making, I think, cakes at home. Chocolate cake with his daughter, Chloe. And every single egg was a double yolk. Every single... I mean, what are the chances of that happening? What are the chances of ten eggs in the same, every single one being a double yolk? We used to get quite excited. A double yolk. <sighs> that was very good luck. This is LBC Night. I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble because I should have done this letter before 5.30. Because I get this letter in. And it was sent in the other day. And it says, Dear Mr Allen, my name is Dan and I'm in year four. I listen to your show until 5.45 when I get up. I set an alarm on one of my alarm clocks so I don't miss a word of the time that I'm listening. I hear you talking to Christo. I'd like you to read out this letter on your show and talk to me before 5.30. Also, would you like to come to my next cooking class on a Wednesday afternoon in Kent? We have a good time and also I would like you to try our lovely cooking. I'll let you know the date later. Your biggest listener, Dan. OK, so with, with the letter comes another one from... Uh, from, from Dan's... I mean, it might, might be a teacher, actually. And it's Miss Kimpton, who says, A young pupil, Dan, Mr Allen, is a big fan of you and your programme. He's blind, and listening to radio programmes is very exciting for him. He's a student at our local primary school in Kent, but his cooking classes are in a specialist kitchen at our resource base for pupils with visual impairment. And he asked me if, in his ICT lesson, he could write a letter to you. It's all his own work. And he's done very well, he absolutely has, to develop good touch typing skills at such a young age. We use a speech programme on the laptop so he knows if he types the wrong key and then listens to the whole document to be sure it makes sense. You are very bright, Dan. You are very, very bright. And uh, Miss Kimpton says, I hope you'll be able to give him a reply. If you wish to write to him, I'll transcribe it into Braille so he can read it himself and keep a copy. I shall send an email. I shall probably send it tomorrow. OK, Dan, so I'll send you an email tomorrow. I, I, have, to, I have to be totally honest, I can't cook for toffee. I really cannot cook. Not only, I mean, I can eat, but I can't cook. But it's nice to know you're up. We have no, I don't know what age year four is, but your, your typing skills are even better than mine. And I'm a little bit older than you. Only a little bit. But Christo, of course, not here because he's off to a, he's off to a wedding, I think, today. So he's not on... Tomorrow, he'll be back on... So, today, Monday, Tuesday, it'll be on Wednesday morning, he'll be back on again. So, uh, Dan, good luck to you. You'll be getting up in ten minutes. I just thought you'd like to know that in ten minutes' time, you're getting up. Horrible thought, isn't it? But at least it's probably light down there. So, uh, I'll drop you an email tomorrow, and then we can, uh, we can get it translated into Braille by uh, Miss Kimpton, who will sort it all out for you. OK? Which is very nice indeed. So, thank you for that. I shall hang on to that. It's always nice to get letters from people. You know, we've got all sorts of people listening. It doesn't matter how old you are. We don't, we don't care on this programme. We're not bothered. Nine to ninety, we've always said. Nine to ninety. There's a, a picture in the paper today. Actually, Dan, you might, uh, you might sort of enjoy this story. It's of an orangutan. You know, one of those big hairy things. Only this one has got a very bad habit. 
he smokes. He's, he's, he's got an addiction to cigarettes. And this is in a... It's, I'm not sure if it's a zoo. I think it's in Malaysia, but it's a little tiny cage. So he sits there and he smokes cigarettes. Have you ever heard anything like it? He's hooked on cigarettes. And he sits there, day in, day out, staring into the distance, puffing away on a cigarette, which, of course, as you know, is very, very bad for you. But uh, there's, there's a picture of him in, in the paper today. And, again, somebody said this is purely people exploiting wildlife for financial gain. Because well, I went for a walk through Regent's Park yesterday. God, it's huge. And we, we, we encounter, I must tell you this, there's always something. You, you cannot go out. It's not physically possible to go out and not have something occur. And walking the dog through, and then there's a group of women standing under a tree, OK, looking up at the tree. And they've got dogs there. They've got, I think they, they were either whippets or small greyhounds or, so, or something like that. And, and as we get near them, one of the women who's standing there staring up into the tree says, maybe these two big strong boys, so I looked around thinking maybe somebody else had joined us, could give us a hand. And so being naturally, you know, polite people, what, what is it? So she goes, there's a heron stuck up a tree being attacked by the crows. And sure enough, there in the branches of this tree is a heron. And all around you can hear the crows now, quite clearly, I don't know if you're aware of this, but herons will eat baby ducks, they'll eat fish, they'll eat just about anything they can get in their mouths. I told you one day we came out when we used to have a pond, and the heron had spread its wings over the pond so it could see the fish, because otherwise you can't see with the sunlight, and it had eaten all of our goldfish. One by one, these poor fish who didn't know what was going to happen had been eaten by the heron. And, um, and so this thing's sitting up in the tree, and this woman's going, these, these crows are attacking it. And so I said, probably wasn't the best thing to say, I said, listen, you really can't interfere with nature. It has to take its own course. I said, there's obviously a reason why the crows are attacking it. Either they've got baby crows sitting in their nest and the heron will happily go and sit on their nest and eat them. So they're obviously protecting. She said, yeah, but all, all the crows are attacking it. I said, yeah, but that's... So anyway, we, we phoned the park keeper and... Uh, and he said he was sort of, you know, aware of a problem like that. And so I said to this woman, I said, I think really you should leave it. You know, if anything's going to happen, it'll either fly away. But uh, they are quite evil, I'm afraid, herons. They've got those beady eyes. They look at you. And uh, this one didn't look particularly big. But if it thought there was a meal sitting in a tree and it was going to get it, quite clearly it was going to get it. And the crows were going to make sure it wasn't going anywhere near the nest. So that's what they were doing. Anyway, as we walked away, she said to me, I think I put an aura around it. She said, because, uh, she said, have you heard of Kabbalah? So I was uh, thinking, you know, so it's a book, my life. And so I said, I have, she said. She said, well, I, I did clutch my, my book. Because, you know, Madonna's into Kabbalah. It's, it's, a, it's a religion. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but anyway. And she said, I'm, you know, I think you, you, you pay a lot of money and you join and they give you bracelets and things like that, which is all very nice. And, um, and so I said, well, you know, I'm sure it's worked. You know, somebody will look after it if, it if it's necessary, thinking they're quite evil, these things. And the crows are just obviously protecting their young. They'd only get back and find that, the, that this thing has sort of swooped into the nest and just picked off their young or eaten the eggs or something. I don't know. Whatever was going to happen, it obviously knew that there were young around. And as we walked away, it was very quiet. And as we walked round the corner, all of a sudden you could hear the crows, the noise from the crows. And I thought, they've got it. <laughs> but we didn't want to go back. I was too frightened to go back and have a look. Very interesting. There's a, a new programme appearing uh, tonight on ITV at nine o'clock. It's all about life at Strangeways, where apparently, I mean, crime is rife in prison. You know, people who will literally 
uh, take um, a toothbrush and embed two razor blades in it so that when they cut you with it, it doesn't heal. I mean, you've never really liked it. You can't believe it's prison life here. But the brutal reality, at 7.30, the prisoners are unlocked, already having eaten breakfast, the pack handed out the night before. 8 o'clock to morning activities, workshop, education, visits, gym. 11.30, return to cells. 12 o'clock, served lunch and locked in cells. 1.45 to afternoon activities, workshop, education, visits or gym. 4.30, return to cells. 5.45, evening meal served. Uh, 6.45, evening association. 8 o'clock, prisoners locked down. So you've got 8, 9, 10... One, two, three, four, five, six, six. Good God, the 11 hours before they sort of get their uh, their breakfast again. But they say here that in tar- inside uh, strange ways, it's, it's not uncommon to discover inmates who spend their days high on drugs. So apparently drugs are dead easy to get hold of in, in prison. People just get hold of them. Uh, somebody here uh, had boiling oil poured on them. I mean, it's, this is inside the prison. You can understand it outside... Inmate Michael uh, Shapp says there is no light at the end of the tunnel. No one cares if they stab someone up. So it's, it's, it's lawless. Absolutely. There's a guy here, Jonathan Vass, is serving 99 years for the brutal murder of his ex-girlfriend. He killed nurse Jane Clough in a frenzied knife attack in the car park. He was earlier freed on bail after she accused him of raping her while she was pregnant with his daughter. He stabbed her 19 times, was filmed studying newspaper coverage and says, I miss her, I feel empty, but I hate her. I hate her so much. And a prison nurse says he said he's got no victim empathy whatsoever. He blames her. Because you're dealing with people with, with mental illnesses inside there. And I suppose if you go into prison, you end up coming out. And if you went inside and you weren't particularly balanced, by the time you come out, you're going to be even less balanced, I should imagine. Aren't you? That's, that's, the, that's the kind of worrying thing that, uh, that nobody seems to be looked after in prison. They just, they just have all these people... And they serve their time and then they chuck them back on the streets again. And some people don't know anything. So they end up going back in prison again. They end up, you know, um, offending, re-offending. And back inside they go. Great shame. 84850, Um I had to smile, says Rita, at uh, you saying about the children's stories not having female characters. I've got a series of stories... I've written with lots of characters, but alas, because I'm not already famous, I can't get them published. Not for the very want of trying. I have to tell you, the publishers I sent them to did like them very much, but had big things going on at the time. Probably books by celebrities they didn't even write themselves. Poor me. It is a shame, actually. It is a shame that that publishers don't have enough time. You could always do the vanity route, couldn't you? You could actually publish your own books and then sell them, but you'd have to get them printed up and stuff like that. I used to know a publisher... Walker Books were very good. They're the publisher of a lot of children's books, and they do all sorts of things, and, and books... It depends how... at what age books are aimed at. You know, are you aiming them at the at preschool? Are they sort of, you know, the 10s and 11s? If you're aiming at... Because there was a guy called Mick in, Inkpen, and his, his books had lovely drawings in about penguins and stuff like that. And uh, that, that's quite a nice thing. So you, you've got to target... A particular publisher. I only knew about Walker Books because we used to do a feature on the programme and we used to look at, at all sorts of different books, trying to get people to read because a lot of people never pick up a book because we've got television, you've got the radio. Why would you bother to read? You know, people get, oh, it's a bit time-consuming reading, isn't it? You get, when was the last time you actually picked up a book? And they go, can't remember. Nobody remembers when they last picked up a book. And, that, that, and that's a shame. I mean, I do have lots of books home and I do buy books. But again, I tend not to read them. I've got, we've got Stacey Solomon coming in this week, haven't we? I think we've got her on 
Thursday, and her book is out, but it's not an autobiography. It's just my life so far, not an autobiography. Because she goes, I think I'm a bit too young for an autobiography. Because <laughs> she saw on Loose Women. <laughs> they were, and of course, at school, she was terrible. She was the troublesome child at school. So much so, her parents tried to get rid of her. She was the troublesome child. You know, she was the one who was always causing the trouble and stuff like that. Uh, Jill in Waterloo says, You sound like Mrs Doubtfire when you tick off your in, Kelly. You wish your name Doubtfire. <laughs> Hello, darling. You're right. There's my stomach again. It's terrible this morning. You're right, actually. I, I do, I, mind you, it's the only act. I can only do Prince Charles, who sounds like every other person I ever do. And, uh, and all my Scottish people sound like you visionaire don't fail. You know, I don't know why I can't do Scottish accents very well. Hello, how are you? You're great. You're wonderful. You think that sounds like Robin Williams? Probably not, actually. Not quite as hairy as Robin, uh, as, uh, Robin Williams. Uh, Noreen, good morning. And she says, I hope you're well. Had a good Sunday. Well, now, as you've heard about the, uh, the drama with the car, he says, wow, Dave Berry. I didn't realise it was the 60s Dave Berry. We see him lots. Saw him in the last month. He's brilliant and always says, when the other stars rib him for being so old, I may be the oldest on stage, but I'm the only one who can still do their jacket up, as he's so slim. Yeah, he was doing Fairfield Halls in Croydon last night. And then, that remembers me. Loved it, she says, when they spoke about the blacksmith arms. This is, um, this is Argent. Sorry, not Argent, what am I talking about? The zombies. It was Rod Argent and Colin Blunstone. And she says, we used to go there. Donovan did too, even when he was famous. Really enjoyed the interview. Sad we can't see the zombies on tour. But we're abroad. It'll come out on DVD. They were so nice. They were so nice. I mean, really, really lovely people. So you'll have to go and uh, podcast. And if you podcast, then you can relive the happy moment. OK, which is lovely. 84850, Uh I've got a, a lovely joke from Ivor. It's only a short one, actually. It's a short one, but you'll all be going, ha, because you, you think you see the end coming. You won't. <laughs> I like those sort of stories. Those are always the good ones that appeal to me. And uh, I was just watching on the television before we came downstairs, and they've got Miss Transgender Pageant taking place, I think in Malaysia or something like that. Well, I defy anybody to tell the difference between these girls... And, 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 and normal girls, for want of a better description. They just look like girls. They've got all the right bits in the right places. They're just very, very feminine. It's amazing. Mind you, by the time it cut back to the poor newsreader, I felt a bit sorry for her that she wasn't as glamorous as the girls were on the competition. These are the headlines. The Royal College of GPs is warning David Cameron, NHS reforms must not undermine the health service, which, it says, must be based on clinical need, not ability to pay. It comes after the Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg vowed to block them if they aren't improved. President Obama says Osama bin Laden must have had some sort of support network inside Pakistan to be able to live for years at a high-security compound. Mr Obama says he ordered the raid in which Osama bin Laden was killed after deciding the risks were outweighed by the possibility of finding him. And Apple's become the world's most valuable brand, ending Google's four-year reign. The makers of computers, tablets and handsets has increased its value by 859% since 2006 to £93 billion. Check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. We'll start it. Morning from seven. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's 12 minutes to six. 12 minutes to six. And, uh, and Paul and Reiner right into me. Because you know that uh, Paul runs the Hinge and Bracket official website. And uh, ever since Patrick Fife died, Dame Hilda Bracket, uh, they have actively maintained, and it's been nine years 
nine years since uh, Patrick Fife died. And what they do is they go down to his grave in Taunton. Every year, they tidy it all up and they put flowers on it. Every year they do that. You know, it's a really, really nice thing to do. And if you saw a picture of Paul, he is the least likely hinge and bracket fan. You know, if you thought it was little old ladies, I mean, he's a, he's a trucker with tattoos and the whole business. But he says, we've raised a fair bit of money for this year's flowers, not as much as last year's record amount, but nevertheless, Patrick's grave and bench will look lovely again this year. The petition we have running in the attempt to get the BBC to do a tribute show for Patrick's 10th anniversary in May 2012 has hit over 400 signatures already, which is wonderful considering the short time it's been on the site. Hopefully they'll do something in his memory, as they haven't bothered to do so far. Even repeating, dear ladies, would help a new generation see how great Hinge and Bracket were. Took a lot of campaigning to get them to release the TV series and gala evenings on DVD, but definitely worth the fight. So... As it's the ninth anniversary of Patrick Fife's death on Wednesday, we're travelling to Taunton tomorrow, having a couple of days down there with the other fans. And the other fans that they're travelling with will be Paul Bishop, Anne Wilson, Heather Shepherd, Dennis Huxley, Jane and Terry Tarrant, Jane and Terry Tarrant, and anybody else who's going to Taunton as well. So they'll have a nice time. They'll take pictures of the flowers. They'll take pictures of the grave and everything else. It'll be up on the hinge and bracket dash official dot co dot UK. Or just search for hinge and bracket fan club on Google. It comes up top, apparently. Good luck with that one, Paul. <coughs> Excuse me. I hope you have a... I've developed the most awful cough, honestly. I feel it's like a, a smoker's cough I've developed. And I don't smoke. But I do feel as I've actually got it. Here is this, uh, this joke from Ivor. We'll be out there on the buses later on. And uh, it's a story of Paddy and Murphy. And I'm not going to do it in an Irish accent, even though I probably could. You know, I reckon I'm about ready for a vacation. Only this year, I'm going to do it a little different. The last few years, I took your advice about where to go. Three years ago, you said, go to Hawaii. I went to Hawaii and Molly got pregnant. Then two years ago, you told me to go to the Bahamas and Molly got pregnant again. Last year, you suggested Tahiti. And darn me, if Molly didn't get pregnant again. Murphy said to Paddy, so what are you going to do this year that's different? And Paddy says, this year, I'm taking Molly with me. It's an old one, but it's a goodie. It's the best we're going to manage at this time of the morning, I'm afraid. You didn't see that end coming, did you? No, I didn't. No, actually, I, I no. could tell you didn't. Have you had an orange? No, I haven't no. yet. Should I have one? Yeah, they're in there. I left them in there for you. There's a whole box of them. But we all need oranges today, don't we? Oranges are not the only fruit. <laughs> Chap in our village, says Gordon in Betchworth, lost an eye rescuing a heron which was caught up in an old netting, vicious things. And that's what I didn't like to say to the woman standing under the tree with the dog. I didn't like to say, this thing could kill you. You know, you want to see what they eat, and they do eat little baby ducklings. They eat anything. That's why, at this time of year, when all the baby ducklings are out and everything else, herons are everywhere. You know why? Because they can gobble them all down. I remember seeing this dreadful programme. T- I said, I get upset when I watch these programmes about, you know, wildebeest standing there with their babies and, and the hyenas or the lions or whatever are trying to... I mean, at least with the hyenas... They all sort of go round, and then they eventually... They sort of go in and back off and go in and back off. And, and you think, there's a camera crew there. Why don't they do something? Why can't they stop this happening? And everybody says to me, it, that's what happens in nature. It takes its course. You can't stop changing the way things happen. Otherwise, you'd be out there all the time shooting hyenas to stop them feeding, because that's what they do. Lions targeting wildebeest or elephants or giraffes or just about anything they can bring down en masse, depending on how hungry they are. So with this heron... It was a case of it would have gone out there. But they had this programme on the television and it was looking at, um, I think it was a snow fox. Beautiful creature. I mean, stunningly beautiful. But at this certain time of year on the tundra, wherever the hell that is, um, all the little baby chicks get born 
And the fox just goes around, and when the mums are away, he just literally picks... And they're like bundles. It's like a giant cotton wool ball. And he just picks them off. He couldn't believe his luck on one of them. He managed to get four in his mouth and carry them off. And, of course, the chicks can't do anything. It was like that other place. There's this island somewhere in the world. And these birds, as opposed to... Because there's no trees, as far as, as far as I could see. So they have their young in burrows. Unfortunately, what else is on the island? Snakes. And at a certain time of year, the snakes know that there's going to be babies in the burrows, so they literally just slither in there. At the end of the burrow, there's a, a baby bird who can't go anywhere, and they just get picked off and dragged out of the burrow, and that's how it works. You know, and sometimes the birds come back, and sometimes they've survived, and sometimes you have to hope that they grow up a bit quicker. You know, eat faster, eat faster. It's like seals, isn't it? And I can't remember who... Who eats a whales? Killer whales eat seals. There was that famous program where every every I mean, how daft are seals? Every year they go to the same beach and give birth to their pups, and every year the pups play in the surf, and every year the killer whales sit offshore, and then wait till the pups are sort of on the beach, and then launch themselves up the beach. And there's this this picture on one of David Attenborough's programs of this killer whale throwing itself up the beach, grabbing a pup, and then slithering back out to sea again. Every year without fa- You'd think the mums would say to the seals, don't go near the water just yet. This is a bad time. And then when the, when the whales got it, and they're so clever, killer whales are absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Steve, great show. Listen to it uh, every morning. Just wanted to know if you drive an R-Reg plum-coloured Bentley and were you sitting at a coffee bar last Friday morning? I thought it was you, but didn't ask for an autograph as I felt that it was your own time and you needed to enjoy your own spare time. Uh, Yes, you're absolutely going to be asking the wrong person on that. Francis says, I don't know how you get away with it. Sometimes you're very funny, my ribs ache. Well, you must get that sorted out by the doctor. I can't do anything about that at all. But uh, no, I don't drive a plum colour. Plum? Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Sarah from St Albans. Steve, year four is nine. Ah. Whatever the year is, add five, then you can work out the child's age. So Dan is nine. There you go, Dan. Oh, he's up now. He must be up now, because now it's 5-2. He'll be up. Uh, Paula says, I'm 30, and I can't get enough of reading books. It is so, so, so relaxing. Takes you into another world, and it can take you away from all your own troubles and strife. Perfect escapism for me. I highly recommend it. And Paula's in Southampton. Southampton. I know Southampton very, very well. And uh, and Bridget says, we went to Water for Elephants last night. Because you know that Bridget and uh, David are big, big circus fans. Big, big circus fans. Uh, It's set in a circus in the 30s. A very intriguing film. Although I found the footage with the elephant very upsetting. You should see it as the circus scenes are very authentic. Just take a massive box of tissues. So it's Water for Elephants. I don't know anything about it. Do you Oh, it's with Reese with us. So she she knows everything. Honestly, you've only got to say it. She knows because she's been probably. She's already been. Oh, it's my job to know. She because she's into circus. Actually, I could see her on the back of an elephant. Strangely, perhaps it's a fantasy. I don't know. We'll come back to that on another occasion. Have you ever have you ever been a, have you ever been to circus? You have. Did you did you want to go round on a on a on an elephant? Did you want to sit there wearing a bejeweled outfit or do do the trapeze? Would you like, oh, do you know? Strange enough, I see you on a something like a trapeze or something like a high wire. I do actually. Yeah, because she's lucky. There's not much of her, so um, you know she's not going to hurt herself if she falls off anything. <laughs> the only reason, like, I don't know how that works. I don't know. I just didn't thought about it then. But I just I just see you in a circus. Isn't that funny? In fact, I see us both in a circus. Me with a with a brightly painted caravan. 
and, and you sort of singing in the back, you know, the curtains, wearing a headscarf, going la, 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 out the back of the caravan. Oh, it's me wearing the headscarf, <laughs> doing fortune-telling, she says. <laughs> Gypsy Rose Allen. Ooh, cross my palm with silver. Well, actually, a note would be nicer. And uh, But I see her, for some reason, out the back of a, a caravan with little gingham curtains. I don't know why I've got this image. I suppose because uh, there's a famous film, isn't it, called The Greatest Show on Earth or something, or Trapeze or something, I can't remember. There's quite a number of circus films. And uh, and I just see her as being there and then getting ready for the evening show. I could see her being a real showbiz-type person. It's amazing the fantasies you have, isn't it, strangely? Very strange fantasies I have. Uh, yet again, I have to totally agree with you, says Paul, about Britain's Got Talent. The violinist was playing to the track. You could hear it clearly. We had a busker who used to play in Manchester City Centre who did the same thing. If she'd been a 50-something-year-old bloke with no boobs, I don't think she'd have been put through. The boy group, another example. If you recall last year, we had that, for want of a better word, brat who did a Violet Elizabeth, started to cry, and was given another chance. Even the panel admitted the boys were cute, and that's just why they were there. Shades of another show from the same stable, cute boy band, who have not even had a single out. Ring any bells? Hmm. Which ones? Would they be... Oh, look, at, at what direction are we going over there? That'll be all of us going in one direction. No, not a hit single out, and yet, strange enough, they've had an autobiography. They've had everything out, and nothing. Nothing. But he says, uh, I think they should pull the, uh, the plug on the show. It's taken the mickey out of the viewers once too often. The only two high points, the autistic boy dancer and the shots of the auditorium of the beautiful Manchester Opera House. Yes, I agree. And uh, he says here, last of all, the BBC reporters, you say no mention of what the boys had done. It did remind me of the hotel show on Channel 4 last week. A family with seven girls and another on the way booked into taking only two rooms. The father genuinely put out that someone politely asked them to be quiet. After all, as he said, they were only doing the corridors late at night, screaming and shouting. I mean, what's the matter with that? Yes, you're right. Some parents got no control over the children. He said, I'm sure I could see your Nathan and the rest of the family doing the same thing. Not. Absolutely. Absolutely not. But if you watch Britain's Got Talent, did you think it was strange that all of a sudden the rules were bent yet again for a little boy band because one of them started crying? As far as I'm concerned, I didn't think they were allowed to do that anymore. St John's Wood, made a veil. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Sorry, I was, I was miles away. I was thinking, actually, that there's uh, this nice letter from, uh, from Dan, my biggest listener. So I'm definitely going to send an email tomorrow, definitely. And uh, coming in this week for In Conversation, Stacey Solomon. The book's very interesting. It's got lots of pictures, but she was a right old tearaway. Right old terrorists. It's amazing how people turn themselves around, isn't it? You know, it's, at school they can be the naughtiest girl in, in class, and then they become an adult, and all of a sudden they kind of grow up quite quickly. And that, uh, that I find very interesting. Uh, Linda Chapman and husband Mike have a happy birthday today. Linda, and a, and a tenth wedding anniversary, all on one day. Imagine, a tenth wedding anniversary and a birthday. That's like having your birthday at Christmas. And you, and you say to somebody, oh, it's my birthday, Christmas Day, and I always go, oh, I'm so sorry. Because they get why I get yeah we don't get enough presents do you really because you don't get you don't get double presents and uh, and Jane as well remember Jane is is going off on this thousand mile walk to raise money for these hospices and their website is www500 the number more m o r e dot org and she says an update on it thanks again for mentioning what we had a wonderful email from one of your listeners in Donegal who has offered us their home for the night as we pass through and some help with publicity in the area. Wonder who that can be. Training going well. Did 15 miles yesterday. Got the Irish feel since the first part was in the rain and we stopped halfway at a pub for lunch. 
So that's nice, isn't it? Listen, I hope it goes really well, Jane. I really hope it goes well for you. I love it when, when people do things, because I'm a bit I'm a bit lazy in that department. I can do I do my bit for charity. I do my bit for the for the Lady Rattlings, and I shall be seeing them on uh, Sunday. I've also got that... Do you remember ages ago? God, it seems ages ago, doesn't it? Mandra and I are going out for, for tea this week at Claridge's. Hello, excuse me, because I was bid for. Do you remember in the... Uh, in the charity raffle, raising lots and lots of money. We did raise a lot of money. It was, it was a bit of a toss-up, actually, between me and the whale, who actually got more money in it. I pipped him at the post. I just pipped him at the post. <laughs> Thank goodness. Bless his heart. But, uh, so we're going out this week for afternoon tea at Claridge's. It's going to be quite a little gang. So I've, I've said she can come along. Yeah, she, can, she can hand round something, you know, and sort of do sort of trays and do her bowing and stuff like that. She's very good at doing that. Uh, 84850, uk. And, uh, and Phil says, Steve, I pick up lots of books every day, never get a chance to read them. I work in the British Library. Isn't that a fabulous place? Isn't that... F- I love the British Library. Love it. Went to see... Strangely enough, Paul went to see the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain on Saturday. It was a sellout. Uh, they were fantastic. You have the chance to see them in August at Richmond. Wow. Now, we talked about this before. <coughs> That's right. Amanda went to see the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain. How lovely. I mean, I, I might go and see them. I tell you what I did see on the internet. I'm blown if I remember what it is now because I can't find it again. And it was, um, it was a group of balalaika players, which is a bit similar to a ukulele. Well, it's not really similar to a ukulele. But anyway, it was balalaika players and they came, I think, from Russia. And somebody had sent me the clip on YouTube of them all playing. And some of them were quite young, you know, dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. And they were really good. And it was, it was just super... But I'm blowed if I can remember what they were called. But it had kids on there and everything. And they, they I'd like to see over here as well. Bit impressed by that. Anybody who can play... I'd love to play a ukulele. Love to play a balalite. Love to play any instrument, I'm afraid. But uh, I cannot. I cannot. Thank you to James in Pool. Because I tweeted the other day about a, a block trick. That's on... It was on my tweet the other day. We've now hit 5,000 people who get tweeted every day and uh, and james says i've also tweeted how to tell you how the block trick is done it's so easy don't you just hate it when clever clogs know the answer to everything and they go so would you like me to give you a hint no is the answer to that no thank you very much indeed bless your heart but uh, but not not just yet and uh, well done to steve jones against all the odds He's landed the plum job hosting the US X Factor after agreeing he will not try to bed his sexy co-stars. He does have a little bit of a reputation. The Welsh ladies' man, best known until now for being an interviewer on T4, will become a major celebrity presenting the new show alongside former pussycat doll Nicole Scherzinger, who we mentioned earlier because she's like top beauty in the whole wide world. Despite being linked to a string of Hollywood beauties, he's promised boss Simon Cowell he will remain as professional as possible. Well, you'll have to. It's America. They're a bit funny about that. If you remember when, uh, was it Janet Jackson's little thing came off, they nearly, the whole country went into meltdown. Went into meltdown. So you, you, they, they, they don't do stuff like that over there, Stevie. They're, they're very funny about it. There's middle America and they're, they're very controlling. So just be careful. It's amazing when you see a picture of Cheryl Cole trying to do a workout in a naff pair of trainers, you suddenly realise, by God, they have to do her up for the television. It's like two different people. Totally two different people. Uh, the Queen has ordered staff to buy her an iPad after being wowed by her grandson's gadgets. I can see the Queen with an iPad too. I use my iPad too all the time. Well, you know, as often as well, perhaps not that often. You know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. 
but uh, not too bad. Now, there is a, a big show coming up on the 19th of September at the world-famous London Palladium. It's a big, big magic show. It celebrates 100 years of magic, and it really promises to be quite a night. They're giving away a lot of tickets to cancer-related charities. It's for um, a fantastic man who we've spoken to before on the programme, Paul Stone, and he's putting it together. It's going to be lots and lots of close-up magicians, and it's a big place to London Palladium. If you want to see stuff there, that is the place to go to. I'll give you the website details in a moment. LBC 97. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 18 minutes past six. Oh, don't forget, lottery tomorrow. It's the start of the Euro Millions on the Tuesday. How much? 85 million. 85 million. Now, you remember the last time we had a big jackpot? It went to somebody in Belgium. I don't want that to happen again. It'd be nice if somebody in this country won it, but as the odds are so dreadful, 75 million to one, there's very little chance of anybody winning the thing. But we did have this discussion yesterday when we were looking through the Sunday Times rich list and, and uh, Ollie, who was in reviewing the papers for us, decided that 85 million on the lottery was too much. It was too much money. And we, we eventually settled on the fact, we thought 5 million would be the ideal sum to win on the lottery. He said 85 million. It's just ludicrous. Who can cope with 85 million? And I said, well, I don't know what you'd do with it. I said, you'd obviously opt for no publicity. He said, but somebody would find out. I said, yeah. He, he said, if it was five million, it, it would be fine. I said, yes, but if it was five million, nobody would go in for the competition. You know, th- there wouldn't be as many people. The reason that they've got 85 million is because loads and loads of people will go in for it. It'll be, if, if, it's, if it's somebody from, from Belgium again, I'll throw myself out of the window. Because we always think of it as our lottery, don't we? We, we don't think we want to share it with those foreigners over the channel kind of thing. But, so, but unfortunately, that's why it's called Euro Millions. It's open to them. And that, that's the problem, because we don't think about it. We just think it's people in this country. And it's not. It's people... All- in Europe, who are buying tickets, going, oh, look, we won this thing. We go, but it's ours, it's ours, we own it. But we don't. Anyway, here is the uh, the website for this fantastic show at the Palladium on Monday the 19th of September. It's called Palladium Magic, and quite coincidentally, the website is called just that. It's www.palladiummagic.com. And it's got details on there of exactly who's appearing. It'll be, it'll be a hell of a night, I tell you. They'll all be out in force for that one. Palladiummagic.com. So uh, check it out. And uh, I think there's a hundred close-up magicians for the evening. A hundred close-up magicians. So, but you'll see some stuff on stage that will blow your mind. Palladiummagic.com. OK? 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Uh, Jeanette says, I almost feel like begging you to believe me. But I won't. It was late last year, I think between September and October, I bought a box of 15 Sainsbury's Value eggs. Cracked the first one? Double yolk. I was surprised. But as the days went on, I continued to cook the rest of the eggs. And each time that I came, uh, I cracked an egg open and a double yolk. I must declare that I am an egg eater. So, even though I'd found it a bit off-putting, I continued to eat my way through the eggs. I can only attempt to reassure you that each egg had a double yolk. I could not believe it. However, I let it pass. Then within a few weeks of it happening... It was reported on the local news that somebody had bought a box of six eggs from the shop and each had a double yolk in it. I was shocked as I'd eaten 15 eggs which had a double yolk in over a week. I wish I'd contacted the media. This is after a bloke today had a box of ten eggs from Asda and each one had a double yolk. And apparently, according to the egg people, they say that if you, if you find a double yolk in a box, there's a chance you'll find another one. But to find the whole box... I don't know how double yolks are... I mean, 
I'm, I'm sure we used to have them a cake. We get a bit, bit excited. You would if you opened a box, wouldn't you? And you're cracking the, and you go, it's another double yolk. You'd have to take a picture every time you do. Film it, film it, because nobody's going to believe it. Let's crack it. It's another double yolk. And here is, here is poor old Jeanette, who wishes that she'd done something about it. But she didn't, I'm afraid. Uh, are you aware, says Nikki, that there is a shop in Bath called 25th of December that sells Christmas goods? The decorations were lovely, but I didn't buy anything as I've got nowhere to store it. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. I do love the idea of a, of a Christmas shop. I did go to one in San Francisco. And, uh, and, and, I, and I just went there because it, it was called the, the Christmas Shop. And you know me and Christmas, so I had to go and have a look. And I, I thought it was lovely. Happily have Christmas, you know, every, every day of the year. Uh, morning, Mark. He's off out collecting cars, so if you owe money, not your day, is it? Uh, 84850, uh One here. Uh, this is uh, what we'll be forced to drive very soon, smart cars. That people are looking... Oh, I love the way you can have these things converted. I love this one that's just been sent in from Tobias. Saw this and thought of you. Thank you very much indeed. Do you know, I looked at smart cars. I'm constantly being passed on the motorway by smart cars. I'm sure they do it deliberately. Um, Steve, it's Monday morning and I can't wait till Friday morning. It's my wedding day. And my partner are going to get married. How lovely. How lovely. On Friday the third... Oh, it's Friday the 13th. Oh... Oh, Christ. Oh, you don't want to get married on Friday the 13th. Actually, no, come on. Unless you're really superstitious. Don't get married on Friday the 13th. Do you know there isn't a 13th seat on an aeroplane, somebody said. I'm totally convinced there is. But somebody said, no, there isn't because of superstitions. I thought, so they're obviously taking it seriously. Obviously taking it seriously. Uh, Steve, my 11-year-old boy does not stop reading, and I love reading, but I use the Kindle. It's great. And Reese says, it was probably the same heron that was chased out of the back garden here. Regent's Park is across the road. I thought, nasty crows. But now you've explained it, I understand. I think this must be the time that crows are having, I was going to say kittens, but they're having little baby crows. And the heron is going, easy meal, easy meal. Loxley says, uh, talking about animals, having little ones for a meal. My daughter was in New Zealand working on a small farm. The large sow that was being grown for sausages and chops was in the garden, together with two sets of chicks, five black and twelve gold. Saw them and sucked up all the golden ones, one after the other, like a vacuum cleaner. Well, actually, I've seen, um, I've seen sows eat their own young. We used to live in, in uh, Yorkshire, opposite uh, a woman who kept a couple of pigs. She had a sow and, well, obviously, a boar. And they had lots of little... We used to love piglets. We used to love piglets. There's something about piglets, aren't they? They're just... <laughs> apart from the fact they were in Winnie the Pooh, there's something about piglets that we like. And, um... And she had loads of these things. Loads of them. But we saw some horrendous things. They could be quite dangerous pigs. Very clean, but quite, quite dangerous. But I have seen them eating their own young. Not particularly pleasant, is it? Not... I'm sorry about that, to ruin your breakfast this morning, you know, just in case you were thinking of not having sausages or bacon this morning. There you go. Oh, here's the uh, picture of uh, Sir Paul McCartney's future wife, his fiancée, Nancy Shevel, And uh, she's 51, flashing the old diamond ring. Flashing the old diamond ring. But there's a woman in the paper today, and I mentioned her yesterday on the programme. And the reason I mentioned her yesterday, because she's a gold digger. And I can tell you she's a gold digger. She doesn't work. She goes out with rich men. And they pay for her lifestyle. So she set up a website with her sister called Gold Diggers or something. And it's to introduce women or to tell women how to find rich men. She says, I'm not a prostitute. She says, I'm only doing what women dream about. And uh, she says, me and my, and my daughter is going to follow in my, in my footsteps. 
And they've got pictures of her. She claims that she's had exotic holidays worth £100,000. No proof of this. Uh, designer clothes worth 25000 That's a shame she's not wearing a designer outfit in any of these pictures. Uh, Jewellery worth 50000 Well, if she's wearing it, it's very well hidden. Uh, horse, 7000 And a BMW worth 20000 and um, this is her. This is how how to snare a gold. You know how, how to snare a rich person because that's all she's done. She says, if a man I was dating didn't get me weekly manicures, pedicures, haircuts, and shopping trips, I'd be out of there in a flash. So I think we know what she is. It, I don't think it's necessarily gold digging. It's a case of you're paying for my time. She's an escort. In other words, she will go out with people, and they pay for her lifestyle. Her daughter is twelve, and she's teaching her daughter how to do the same things. This is her... For example, she says here, dress to impress. You know, which is like standard fare for anybody. You want to go out for the night, it's no good dressing like a bag lady, is it? Make sure you always look immaculate. So I'm looking at a picture of her. She ain't all that, you know. She ain't all that. You look at the pictures today in the paper. Check hair, check designer dress. You see, obviously, you know, easily impressed. You know, she's obviously easily impressed by names because she says here, you have to look the part to bag the right man. Primark just won't do. Well, she's obviously incredibly naive because Primark have got some items that you could tart up with different buttons, things like that. Nobody would ever suspect it was Primark. In fact, I would look at her. I wouldn't think she looked as though, you know, she was classy. Her hair's very dry, bleached to heck. You know, so obviously she doesn't get it done properly because it's so... I mean, split ends, I would think, here a go-go. She says, two, tell them what you want. I'm almost, I'm always honest with the millionaires I date. I'll usually whisper seductively in their ear and say, I'm a princess and like to be spoiled. They get the message. She's a cheap escort then as well. So she whispers in their ear. Step three, never date a labourer. Even if they look like Brad Pitt, they'll never be able to afford the lifestyle you want. God, this woman's becoming over. She's so shallow. Step four, hang out in the right places. No boo. Claridge's and the Sheraton only socialise where the rich and wealthy want to be seen. Well, now they've seen you, dear, I think they'll be asking you to leave. If we go into Claridge's and there's something like you hanging around in there, it starts off surrounded by champagne and munching on London's best sushi. Gem Slade strokes the Bulgari diamonds around her neck. It's a very small one. You'd have to sort of hold this one up to the light. I love the idea, munching on sushi. Obviously, you can't eat properly either. But no, she comes over really cheaply. And they say here, she, um likes to wrap the world's richest men around her little finger. I don't think so, dear. I think you're very shallow and you're living in a fantasy, I'm afraid. And the trouble is you've dragged your daughter into it as well. Even more embarrassing. LBC 97.3 Now, as you heard on the news earlier on that uh, John Walker has died of the Walker brothers. And just to to let you know, because I I know a lot of you will know this already, but uh, they were made up. They, They weren't brothers and they weren't called Walker because it was Scott Engel who then was known professionally as Scott Walker. John Walker was born John Mouse, but used the name Walker since his teens. And Gary Leeds eventually became known as Gary Walker. So they pretended they were the Walker brothers. And I remember, I, even I was shocked, because somebody went, they, they aren't called Walker and they weren't brothers. But he has just died, actually. That was John Walker, who was born John Mouse. So uh, there you go. Uh, right, where are we off to now? London Museums at night. And Darren's got all the details for you. Morning. Morning to you. So, London Museum, is this, is this the sleep-in? No, it's not. This is the annual event that takes place all over the country, but at London for the 13th, 14th and 15th of May. So this weekend, lots of the museums are open all evening and all doing special events. And some of the highlights include 
and you'll like this one because it's one of your favourite museums. The Sir John So Museum. Oh yes, is doing candlelit tours on Friday. Uh, they're doing five of them. You're gonna have to uh, get there very early because they're always very, very. Yeah, very they always sell out these, don't they? They do indeed. Uh, go to their website for more information that, for that. If you've never been to his, uh, his museum, it's absolutely stunning. I think I did Every a documentary on it years ago. He was, he was a great he collector, did, did. and the house has remained exactly the same. What they do at Christmas is each room they do in a different theme. They do, and uh, they do the candlelit tours once a month, and it's usually during the week, but this one's on Friday. Um, is it Lincoln's Inn Fields? That's at Lincoln Inn Fields. Yeah. Which is a great place if you've never been there. I believe you've well. never been to Lincoln's Inn Fields. It's just at, sort of at the back of, fl- back of the law courts, isn't it? Back of the law courts, or you go there from Holborn Station. Yeah. And it's, it's like stepping back into London from, from years ago. <laughs> it's wonderful. Indeed. Another place that not many people know about is the Petri Museum of Egyptian Archaeology. On Friday, they're doing drop-in events called Gothic Egypt Trail. Now, this is like the uh, British Museum without the crowds, and they hold the oldest known item of clothing on the planet. Uh-huh. which is a, a shirt, a cotton-style shirt from, I think it's something like 5,000 years ago. Oh, but uh, they'll be doing tours of the museum on Friday. And, and then on Saturday, the same museum, they're doing an introduction to the museum and screenings of Hammer films, including The Gorgon yeah. and The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb. What else would you be showing? I think I do have a box set of Hammer films. <laughs> a you box would. set of Hammer... Because I remember interviewing, years and years ago, Ingrid Pitt... Ingrid Pitt was the, you know, the vampire... Lo- oh, wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff. I remember stuff. when you, re- you interviewed Christopher Lee and how well that interview went. Yes, exactly, yes. <laughs> Never, ever trust somebody else's information when you do an interview. <laughs> Don't ever trust anybody. My biggest downfall, yeah. Pete Murray telling me when you talk to Edward Heath, <laughs> he loves fish and chips, a little-known fact... I think it was and Pete Murray, it was either that or Mike, Mike Dickin. So, of course, halfway through the interview, I chucked in. So, 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 Sir Edward, I, I know what your favourite food is. I said, uh, fish and chips. Well, I can't stand fish and chips. <laughs> At the end of that conversation. Christopher Lee said, and you share a birthday with Peter Cushing and the That's other right. Hammer yes. No, I don't. No, I don't, I know. <laughs> there was no answer to it, was there at all? Yeah. Apart from, no, now, it's not true. My favourite museum... Um, which has just won the title from me, the Grand Museum of Zoology, which has moved. Mm. They're doing a life and death treasure hunt on Friday. Right. And uh, it begins with a trail at the Chadwick Theatre at UCL, which is across the road in Gower Street, and then finishes... uh, It goes through the Peachtree Museum and then goes to the Grand Museum as well. On Friday, London Transport Museum, another one of my favourite museums, is free on Friday nights. You're going to have all sorts of uh, tours and quizzes and a chance to see the Mayor's new bus. Donations are encouraged. The National Portrait Gallery, my third most favourite museum in London, they're doing late-night tours as well. The National Gallery as well. Apsley House in Hyde Park, you know who lived there. Number one London, Wellington's place. Duke of Wellington's house, of course. Now, they're doing um, after-dark tours, which are going to be lit with the chandelier, which you rarely get to see Mm. on, of course, because it's only during the daytime. Don't forget to check out Napoleon's statue at the bottom of the stage. Can't as miss well. it. Another one of my favourite museums, this one's in Lincoln Innsfield as well, opposite Sir John Soane's house is the Hunterian Museum. This is at the Royal College of Surgeons. They're going to have teams of up to five people taking part in uh, the Lost London Quiz. You've got to book in advance again for this one. Churchill War Museums are doing after-hour events as well. And one for you, Steve. Just for you. 
you can go and count all your money at the Bank of England Museum late night opening where you can go and play with money and answer questions. They'll be, sorry, they'll be answering questions yeah. about gold. Shouldn't finally, take too long to count mine, then. <laughs> None. <laughs> finally. I know, I was being ironic. No. Finally, another one with an LBC connection. Can you guess where this one is? No. Nope. 300-year-old house. Oh, it's, um, uh, it, Dr. Johnson's. <laughs> yes. Dr. Johnson's house on Friday, late-night tours. It's going to be candle-lit. You've never seen the house candle-lit, have you? Seen? No, I've never even been in it. Well, after all those years... After all the years, working opposite, I never went in it. Isn't that amazing? Well, I mean, we, we were literally down the road from the Tower of London. Uh, since we've moved, I've been to the Tower of London more times than I did when it was literally round the corner. And I well, never, ever went to Dr Johnson's house. Looked at it every day, par- walked past it, looked in the window, never went in the house. Isn't that funny? Well, there you go. On Friday, uh, 300 years old, there's going to be uh, curator-led candlelit tours as well. Lovely. As well. Lovely I think stuff. you should do tours of your flats, then. Yes, yes. Mm. Anyway, with, with that happy thought in mind, we shall say farewell, and we'll talk to you on Sunday. Looking forward to it already. There you go, Darren. Darren Tossell, thank you very much indeed. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Steve, I just got uh, into bed and I heard my story on the radio. Worth getting out of bed, being sunny and warm helped. And a PS to end the New York pick story on a happier note and put your listeners back on track to eat their bacon breakfast. The local bakers would collect all the out-of-date yoghurt and milk and all the stale cakes and buns for the pig. It'd be mixed in a great big bowl and was the sow's favourite meal. Actually, well, that was, that was quite normal. We used to have coming round to the school... Uh, you had the pig swill people and all the food. I mean, it's, I think they probably still do it now. All the food and vegetables and everything else would all go into these huge things and it would be taken off to the f- because the pigs will eat it. It didn't make any difference, I think, about the additives and colours and e-numbers that pigs consumed. It doesn't- Actually, when I was in Regent's Park yesterday, I've got a nice little cafe in the middle. Ever so polite. Ever so li- polite, the people in there. And Sunday morning, there weren't that. Loads of doggy people. Everybody's got dogs. Everybody's got dogs. I felt a bit, sort of, I pe- perhaps thought I should have rented one for the day. And, and I did have a bacon and sausage breakfast roll. I know. I shouldn't have done it. But you know when you have to comfort eat. And it was like that. And I have to be honest, I never think about what pigs eat. But we did have the pig swill lorry coming round. And as far as I know, it still exists now. And all the old food. I'm reliably informed that all the places on the Strand throw out all their sandwiches at the end of the day. And that's what the, the homeless people pick up. Or perhaps they don't pick up because they're... Yes. No, there's a lot of the places throw out all their, their sandwiches. Um, Adrian says, I'd like to try coping with 85 million. I think I'd do a quite a good job. A few people would benefit. You see, is 85 million too much? Do you think 85 million quid is too much? Or could you then say, listen, I can change a lot of people's lives. You can give a lot to charity... You can, you can help a lot of people out, but at the same time, you can... I don't know what I'd do. I don't know. We, we've had this discussion on numerous occasions, this sort of fantasy win, because it's always nice to pretend, isn't it? You go and buy a ticket, and then you think... And then, and then you pretend. If nobody claims it, you actually pretend it's yours, but you just haven't been, been to claim the money. So you start thinking what you would do with it, what sort of house you would buy. You know, uh, would it be, you know, a 10-bedroom house, 15-bedroom? Would it you know, would you have security? Would you have staff? What would you have? You know, 85 millions, quite a lot of money. Not admittedly in terms of some of the super rich in London, because I was reading the other day about Bernie Eccleston's daughter. She's 22, just got engaged. And what, what size house does she live in? A £68 million house. She's 22. I mean, this woman has never known poverty whatsoever, but it's all relative. I was going through the Sunday Times rich list, and strangely enough, I couldn't find the Candy Brothers. 
Well, they must be super rich. They're not even in the top 1,000. And they must have a billion, mustn't they? Or certainly something approaching it. I mean, I was checking... Every- oh, I was checking people out like there was a- going through it, and then somebody else would say to me, oh, we just found so-and-so. Go, where were they? Where were they? You know, the Beckhams, they always add together. It'd be interesting if you took her out of the equation and it was just him, how much she would be worth it, because they do it as brand Beckham. Looks a little bit better. Either way... It's a lot of money. Jordan, not there at all, I'm afraid. I think with a fortune estimated only 30 million, I don't think you, uh, you qualify. Uh, Joe says there's no 13th floor in Canary Wharf. There's no 13th floor here either. Isn't that funny? We do not have a 13th floor. Why? Because we only go as far as seven. We don't have 13 floors. Uh, Ron says, I sat in row 13, coming back from Boston last Monday on BA. I think we landed safely. Got news for you, Ron. There is no BA flight from Boston on BA. The flight was discontinued 20 years ago after an incident. I love the idea. I'm sure there is no row 13. Somebody might have to tell me. Might have to find somebody who sits on planes. But I'm sure there is no row 13 because of, of people's superstitions. And I can't remember. Is it, was it, does it stem back to the Bible? Is it there were 13 people at the Last Supper? Is it how they, they worked it out? I think it was that one. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Do you know, if you're a frustrated gardener, and many of you are... You've got to wait 40 years to get your own allotment. There are 90,000 people on waiting lists. 90,000 people on waiting lists. But it could take, they say, 100 years for supply to meet demand. That's shit. Round our way, we've got loads of allotments. I quite like the idea of having uh, an allotment. Uh, Pippa Middleton's been offered £3 million in decent proposal to become a porn star. Apparently, after pictures were published in the paper of her dancing in a bra, an adult uh, filmmaker have approached her with the uh, with the three million pound offer, as if as if she's going to accept anything like that. Sarah Harding has said her recent trout pout was down to a reaction to a cosmetic enhancement filler. I'm a bit bored with Sarah Harding. You know, plenty of talk, very little action. I'm afraid. And in fact, Janet Street Porter just rips into her today, in uh, in her column in the paper. I quite like Janet Street Porter. Occasionally, she's a bit balmy mad, and uh, she does like the old freebies. She was mentioned in the paper today as going to the opening of a hotel down at Marylebone, where apparently she was stuffing her goodie bag with freebies. Because that's what you do when you go to stuff like that. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. With the headline, Sam Pittis. The Royal College of GPs has written to David... This morning, from seven. There you go. Derek says, sat in row 13 last Thursday, Steve, on Air Cyprus from Larnaca. So quite clearly there must be a, there must be a row 13 on flights. Which always surprises me, because I was always told there weren't. There's a picture of the paper today, a lot of the papers, of a guy called Derek Jones. Derek is 80. He was mugged the other day. He was beaten black and blue, he's an 80-year-old grandfather, by a mugger. He managed to hold on to his wallet... But the mugger got away with, wait for this, his bus pass and his hearing aid. What sort of sick person does that? Sim Wales, he said, the shock at my age could have killed me. He's obviously made of sterner stuff. He said, I was just shaking all over, but I'm not going to hide away in my home just because of this. Good for you. Good for you. And I'm sure that when people see a picture in the paper, friends will, will rally round. What sort of toe rag actually batters an 80-year-old man, you know, to try and get a wallet, which he didn't get, and then, um, and then takes his hearing aid and bus pass... That's stupid. Actually, I've just got um, a permit for my car. I've never had one. In all the years I've lived in Twickenham, I've never had a permit. And I've got one, and they say, for your first... A bus pass, yes. Sir. I'm not going to say I've got a bus pass. And, um, and it said in, in here, because it's your first one, is a wallet to put it in. 
Well, I've scoured the envelope until I'm black and blue. I can't find anything in there. So I've got to go now today to the council and, um, and see if they've got the wallet to stick the thing into the car, which is nice. I do, um, feel extremely well disposed towards Rupert Elder. Uh, Rupert was unable to get a job after finishing his studies, so he decided, because he, he had hoped to become a stock market trader or a computer programmer to pay off his student loan, but uh, instead uh, he decided to hit the poker circuit. Now, there's a lot of people around here enjoy a good game of poker. I, frankly, could never sit there and try and bluff, you know, my way through, you know. A lot of them sit there with sunglasses on and everything else. So I've, I've never, never been able to do that at all. But anyway, he, he took, a, took over the European Poker Tour tournament in San Remo in Italy. And he did quite well. In fact, he did very well. He said, uh, for the first three years, I was definitely a losing player. When I started playing, I was in sixth form college, but I was terrible. And when I went to Warwick University, I studied economics and wanted to be a programmer or a trader. But after applying for jobs, nobody wanted me, so I turned pro at poker. I don't know, you could turn pro at poker. But anyway, my parents were fine with it, but I think my dad always hopes that one day I'll get a real job. He said, after, after I got the cash, because he won, I'll tell you how much he won in a moment, he went for a few beers and a barbecue with friends. He said, I have bought a £75 hoodie. And that's the thing that will... He said, how much did he win? £828,000. He won nearly three quarters of a... Just over three quarters of a million pounds. It's not bad, is it, for playing cards? Sitting there going, I've got um, uh, full house. And they go, I don't think you have. I don't, I, to be honest with you, I've got no idea how it works. I'm probably just talking rubbish about poker. But he won an awful lot of money, but he plays professionally. It's like you get professional gamblers, people who will go to the race. That's what they do for a living. And they will bet with other people's money as well as their own. You know, it's, it's like trusting your money to a trader in the city for them to get the, uh, the best deal out of it. And uh, Jeremy says, you may not have a 13th floor, but you have a 4th floor. And four is unlucky for the Chinese. So the people on your fourth floor are doomed. Doomed. We're all doomed. Actually, on the subject of uh, 13, I think it stems from Friday the 13th, 1307, when under papal orders, says Eamon, the kings of Europe ordered the simultaneous arrest of the majority of Knights Templars across the continent. Sort that the superstition around the number, and indeed 13 and a Friday combined, stems from this incident. Yes, it was also there were 13 people at the Last Supper and... 13 of this. and It's like black cats or walking under a... La- Where did all this stuff come from? Perhaps we should have investigated superstitions at the beginning of the programme this morning. And um, Paul says, for the reasons of superstition, the 13th floors are usually used as plant rooms. What, growing things like triffids or something like that? Uh, Betty says, there is most certainly a row 13 on aircraft. I've been flying as crew for 20 with BA and I can assure you I'd know if a row was mysteriously missing. So it doesn't go... 12.14. It does go 12.13. Anyway, Gary says here, row 13 exists on planes, including BA. <coughs> and Deborah says, it took me five years to notice that there's no number 13 in the small cul-de-sac where I live. There might only be 11 houses, though, might there? <laughs> Probably there's no 13. Uh, Martin says, BA do fly to Boston. Uh, irony. I can't just... OK, lost. Can't believe you work in baggage. And, um, and Blake says, yes, there is a row 13 on BA planes. I work on them. Most hotels in the US don't have a 13th floor or room 13. And Jean says, we had a 13 A and B from Malaga on Easter Sunday. It's amazing, actually, how many of you either work at the airport or know about row 13 on aeroplanes. It's all a bit spooky, isn't it? I wonder where that story originated. It's one of those apocryphal things. We were talking... Who was I talking to the other day? Oh, a famous chef. And we were talking about different foods. And, and one of the foods was, in China, 
they eat live monkey brain. And this particular chef said to me, he said, I don't believe that story. He said, I do not believe it. He said, I know where it, where it stemmed from. It's, it's been doing the rounds for donkey's years. He said, but I don't believe it. But he did serve up live crab to somebody. And there are certain things that you could... There's this famous fish, isn't there, in Japan, where it's got to be cut by a chef with years and years' experience because so that you don't get the poison sack or something. Whatever it is, it's, it's pretty dangerous. But people like living dangerously with things like that. Not me. Uh, new series coming up of uh, pop star to opera star. Remember, you had it last time, and Darius Dinesh, I think, won it, who's now not called Darius Dinesh. He's now called Darius Campbell. And uh, this time round, they've got Joe McKeldry and uh, Erasure frontman Andy Bell is going to be going out. I wonder what happened to Andy Bell. So he's going to be a great voice, hosted by Mylene Klass and Alan Titchmarsh. And it's lots of people from the showbiz world trying to make it into, into the opera world. So I wonder how... Joe McKeldry will do, and I wonder how Andy Bell will do. The other ones we don't know about, but as I pointed out yesterday, these, these reality shows, they're, they're all over the place. There's another one coming up, which is called Bachelor, which is made by the same people who make the American version, and it's where one man has to date all these women, and then, and then he ditches them and just goes out with one person. And it's going to be with Charlotte Church's ex, Gavin Henson. And as I said, I mean, the reason he's going on it is because he's single. It's because he's boring. And, uh, and he's got to go on there and try and convince these people to go out with him. Well, most of the guys in America have at least got a modicum of personality. Why they picked poor old Gavin? I mean, he was dull as anything on the, the dancing pro. Looks good. They said, fantastic looker. And, you know, and he's, I said, yeah, but you can't talk to looks, can you? You can't talk to looks. Listen, that's uh, just about it for this morning. Do go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Learn how to podcast and uh, read the blog and uh, check out all the pictures. They're still doing very well, the pictures from the, the wedding the other day. We had our own private wedding in the studio and uh, <laughs> got gussied up for it, as they say. And uh, if you know more about about row 13 on aeroplanes, do, do let me know about it and we'll try and weave it into the programme tomorrow. And find out just why 13 is so unlucky. Is it the Knights Templars or is it something far more sinister? Do let us know on the programme tomorrow. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Trust you enjoyed the programme today. There's going to be lots more happening with Nick and the team after the news at 7 o'clock here on LBC. Before all of that, though, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 50.